grab some cheese curds and cream puffs. It's time for WTMJ Now. Broadcasting live from the Bank 5-9 studio at the Wisconsin State Fair. Here's Sandy Max and Steve Scafidi. Let's try one more time. A little technical uh, issues out at the uh, state. It happens every year. Maybe a, maybe a cow chewed through a wire or something here. Or rabbits. <laughs> there are rabbits and poultry. Yes, rabbits are my favorite. One of my favorite things to see here. They have rabbits that are the size of large dogs here. I don't know if you saw those. I things. saw some of the rabbit judging, and they carry around like little footballs <laughs> to get them to the to the judging area. And there was, I missed the agility. They have rabbit hopping contests of agility and crooked courses, so I am disappointed that I missed that part. So it's something to add to my State Fair list next year. I had not been in the livestock area for a few years. Um, one, very clean, which I appreciate. Thanks to the scooper troopers. Yes, we had one of those <laughs> folks on yesterday. And to the farmers. And uh, the other thing, they've cooled it a lot. There's fans everywhere, so it's not like it used to be really, really hot. It's very comfortable. So a lot of families were in there. My, my grandkids loved it. They were mesmerized by the all the animals and up close and personal. Yeah. So good job, Wisconsin State Fair. All right, we're going to try this again. Do we have Bill McCaution on the phone from, I think, Minnesota? You do. All right. There's there's a gentleman. Good He's a Republican morning, strategist. He joins us for the Political Power Hour. And Joe Zapecki's off doing something who knows what this Friday. So filling in for Joe is State Representative Deb Andraka, who's sitting to my left, radio left here. Welcome. Great to be here. All right, let's start with this. We've had some fun with the State Fair. Hopefully we've got all our, our uh, demons resolved as far as the technical stuff. Um, I'm going to start with you, Bill. The Trump question is an interesting one. Will he or won't he state uh, former uh, Governor Scott Walker said he, he thought he was going to? I've said over and over again, I don't think he's going to show up. I think he'll do an alternate event. What does Bill McCosh and Republican strategists have to say? Well, let me give you the reasons for and against. The reasons for are that Wisconsin is the closest state so far, according to the Marquette University Law School poll. Uh, he's got a one-point lead in a multi-candidate race over Ron DeSantis, uh, but in a head-to-head against DeSantis, he's actually losing badly uh, in the state of Wisconsin. So the reason for Trump to come would be to, to try and convince Republicans in the state of Wisconsin that he's the guy and he should get a, an opportunity for a second term. The reason not to come is he's got a 30 to 50 point lead in every other state. Uh, and these guys will be aiming for him. The only way to get the nomination is to beat the person who's in first place. And that's Donald Trump at this point in time. So why take that risk uh, of coming and taking those shots? And lastly, I would say Steve, Sandy and Deb is, listen, this debate's going to be about Trump, whether he's there or not. They're all going to get asked if, they're, if they would pardon him. They're all going to get asked about some nasty thing he said about them on True Social. They're all going to get asked about, you know, something related to Donald Trump multiple times during this debate. So whether he's there or not, uh, this debate will be about Donald Trump. I think there's more reason not to come than to come. So my betting is he's not in Milwaukee. Yeah, so I think we agree on that one. I guess you're talking about the conversation about Trump, if, if he shows or not shows. Should that be the conversation? Fox, I think, has a responsibility to kind of sort of get to the policy stuff, to understand who these other people are. That's, I mean, that's the reason to have these early debates, right? Should be, right? So if he's not there, if I'm Martha McCallum and Brett Baer, I limit the questions about Trump uh, and maybe not have any at all. I, I think viewers should get to know these other people. Clearly, Trump has taken all the oxygen out of this primary for months and months and months. 
they haven't had any chance to get any traction, and maybe none of these people will get traction anyway, but this is Fox's opportunity to introduce these folks to let Republican voters know nationwide, not just in the state of Wisconsin, where they stand on key issues like the economy, foreign policy, things like that. Um, so hopefully Martha McCallum and Brett Bear will focus on the folks who are on the stage and what they stand for versus the, fo- the person who isn't on the stage. Representative, you're a Democrat. Yes, I am. You're watching this from afar. I mean, obviously, uh, not your party, but um, it is coming to Milwaukee, so we'll ask you about it. What, I mean, what do you think? One, do you think it'll show up? And two, what do you think this debate will look like? Well, has anyone ever known Donald Trump to turn away an opportunity to be on camera or talk in front of a microphone? I think he will probably be here. I mean, he's acting like that friend I think we all had in college where you say, hey, do you want to go out? And they say no, and they want you to <laughs> beg them. Oh, please, please, it won't be the same without you. I mean, this is what he's doing. So this is what he does all the time, and he just makes everything about him. So I wish all of the other candidates good luck trying to get some airtime and some camera time, but uh, Trump's being the diva friend that we all know and uh, hopefully have put behind us. You know, we're, we're getting the Republican National Convention next summer. As, as a Democrat, again, I know that we're all, we should all be all excited because this is good for the economy, right? We'll bring a lot of money into our, into our state. Certainly there's a PR and a publicity aspect of this. We can show off a lot of cool stuff that, that you and Sandy and I all know exist in this, in this great place, in this great state we live in. Um, from your Democratic perspective, how do you see that convention? How do you see it playing out? And, and you can even mix in some of the Trump questions because, again, we don't know, if, you know, barring our next topic, some of the legal challenges he's facing, whether he will be the nominee or not. Well, what's fascinating to me is that my so I'm in the state assembly and in the state assembly, we constantly have Republicans bashing Milwaukee and saying terrible, terrible things about the state's largest city. And now we have national Republicans coming to Milwaukee and extolling its virtues and talking about what a great city it is. So it'll be really interesting to see how they reconcile that. And personally, I'm happy to see national Republicans recognizing what a great city uh, and area Milwaukee is. That's an interesting point of point of view on that i hadn't hadn't really made that that connection so yeah there is a sort of a a broad spectrum of thoughts about our state interesting the local folks local electeds and state representatives would have a a negative point of view bill do you have a response to that before we go to break well i it's going to be good for the midwest next summer right we have the amtrak uh conventions between milwaukee and chicago chicago gets the democratic convention you know, it'll have a, at least a $200 million economic impact on southeast Wisconsin, according to uh, most of the sources who, who follow these things. And that's tremendous. And, you know, truthfully, this is one area that just getting this, Democrats and Republicans had to work together. I give credit to uh, Mayor Chevy Johnson for for doing all he could to, to convince the RNC that Milwaukee was the place to come. And, and so I, I think it's going to be great for the Midwest. Uh, you know, Illinois is really not in play. Uh, but I understand why Democrats would want to go there. Milwaukee uh, and Wisconsin has always been in play, but it's been tended to go more Democratic than Republican. Republicans have only won here in 1984 uh, and in 2016. So it's uh, a record's not great, but it, it it is one of the top five states as far as swing states go. I just want to go back to will he or won't he just for a second, because, Deb, I agree with you that if there's a chance to be in the spotlight and even talking with Reince Priebus a couple of weeks ago, the ego seems to be what would take over. But, Bill, I'm interested in your perspective. 
do you or don't you think this loyalty pledge would be a deal breaker for him? Because you're Sadly, supposed to Sandy. just sign something to say, I will support whoever is the presidential nominee. And Trump has already said, why would I? Yeah, sadly, it, that loyalty pledge isn't worth the paper it's written on. And, and they'll let him on the stage whether he signs it or not. Uh, and he won't. And remember, he support he put Ronna McDaniel in as RNC chair when he was president. He supported her reelection in a tough battle against Harmeet Dillon uh, just this winter. So, I mean, that's his person who's running it. She's going to let him on the stage uh, whether he signs that or not. I think Republicans should agree to support the the ultimate nominee. That's the right thing to do. Um, but Trump will never sign that. Interesting times in Republican politics. All right, our guest, Bill McCosh, Republican strategist, filling in for Joseph Pecky, State Representative Devin Draca. We'll have more to talk about about the former president, Donald Trump. Legal challenges. We know what's already happened. One new one pending in the county fulton county georgia related to election interference and more we'll discuss that with our guests right here in wtmj we are broadcasting from the wisconsin state fair the bank five nine studios if you're out and about after 10 o'clock come and say hi we are right across the cream puff pavilion and uh just north of the exposition center where you can get all those sham wows and mops and dicers and splicers and Get your jewelry cleaned. Yes, exactly. It, it is some of the, the collection of some of the most unique things, because all in one place. That is the, the, the fun thing about that. Your hot tub and your spa. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big or small. I heard one of our teammates drop nine grand on a spa at the State Fair. Ooh. Party at their house. That either means too much money or bad decision making. One of those two things. No, I'm, I'm not saying ladder. it's a bad decision. <laughs> I do, too. I'm a fan of hot tubs, but I'm not going to spend $9,000 on it. Anyway, uh, we're talking politics, political power hour. Bill McCosh, Republican strategist, joining from, from Minnesota on the phone and filling in for Joe Zapecki, <laughs> our friend, Representative Deb Andraka from the Wisconsin Assembly. Um, we'll start with uh, you, Bill. So we've, we've known about the indictments of the former president, Donald Trump, for a long time. Now there's, there's new information. It sounds like... Georgia is is maybe next state up or next indictment up. I guess I'm going to ask it in a couple of ways. One, what will this mean to the Donald Trump story? But two, does any of this change? And I think I've asked you this question like every time this has happened. Any of this change the fascination slash devotion that some Republican voters, and I said some on purpose, have with the former president? No. I mean, his numbers have remained constant, if not increased, after each indictment, which is unusual, right? Christian Schneider, a friend of both of ours, has written a piece uh, in the National Review that talks about this, his celebrity status and the fact that uh, in the case of celebrities, a lot of these things actually become uh, things that their fans, <laughs> that cause their fans to support them even more. So whether he gets charged in Georgia next week or indicted, I should say, uh, I don't think it's going to matter in the Republican primary. I think all of these indictments do matter in the general election, and it's going to be problematic for Republicans uh, in the fall of 2024 if Donald Trump is the nominee. Um, you know, unless Joe Biden's the nominee, then then it's uh, you know it'll be the ugliest, dirtiest campaign we've ever seen in, in American history because both of them have more baggage than that Amtrak I was talking about running from Chicago to Milwaukee. 
<laughs> uh, State Representative Andraka, um, respond to what Bill said and then give us your take. Again, Democrats looking at this election, there's some people that are Democrats that say we want to run against Trump because he's eminently beatable. Well, if we're talking about uh, baggage, I like my candidates without indictments. And so I think that uh, Biden is more baggage free than uh, most of the other candidates. But when we're talking about what's going on in Georgia and some of the other uh, indictments, uh, what's really disturbed me is the threat of violence. I was reading last night about how the secretary of state's office and they're putting up uh, barricades and they're uh, clearing courtrooms because of the rising threats coming from Trump's Supporters. And that is unbelievably disturbing in a, a time such as this. I don't think that we should be, uh, obviously we shouldn't be condoning violence, but I don't hear a lot of Republicans condemning it either. The fact that we have Republican supporters who are supporting Trump, who are uh, sending in threats or are causing such an unsafe environment. And that's something I don't think is getting enough attention. It's hard enough being a public official these days, uh, but when you have such a rising temperature, uh, we need to hear more voices, particularly Republican voices, putting that in check and condemning it. Do you think, we're talking about baggage, do you think there's going to be anything that comes out of the questions about Hunter Biden, access to the, to the current president, then vice president, that could endanger Joe Biden's candidacy? Well, if there's anything about Hunter Biden that is going to be damaging, I would have think it would have come out by now. Personally, I just think it's a distraction. And it's something that the Republicans can try to uh, trot out every single time that something flares up about Trump. Uh, well, we had a guest on this week, Dan oh. Schaefer. He writes the Recombobulation Area, a great uh, political blog column. And um, he asked an interesting question. So, Bill and, and Representative, we know that um, Donald Trump has never really conceded 2020. Any of us think he would concede 2024 if he wins a nomination and loses that race for president? Anybody think he's going to concede then either? No. <laughs> It is a kind of a remarkable thing. Bill, what, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't see him conceding, but I'm going to return to one of Representative Androcka's comments. I think the Hunter Biden stuff is relevant, and I think it is damaging. And truthfully, it's not about Hunter Biden. I think the guy's a scumbag. Uh, he's corrupt beyond measure. But this is about Joe Biden. And, I, and I'm told that the, the uh, House Judiciary Committee has a lot more uh, the American public's going to learn about that over the coming weeks. I think there will be an impeachment inquiry towards uh, on Joe Biden, uh, and then we're going to find out bank records and things like that. So stay tuned. Uh, th th that is far from a distraction. It is real. It really isn't about Hunter Biden. It's about Joe Biden and Biden Inc. Well well, what's real is that uh, President uh, Trump has never conceded 2020. He probably will never concede again. And I also worry about what what are we teaching our, our kids and just society at large if we can't be a, a gracious loser? I mean, I, ha I have kids uh, at the end of each game and each soccer game. We're supposed to say good game and slap hands and live to fight another day. And now we're saying, oh, well, I'm just not going to say that I lost and I'm going to take my ball and go home. It's a terrible precedent. And we can feel it in the way uh, people are being meaner and coarser. And I think we all need to get back to setting a better example. And those examples, they start at the top, and there's no further top than the presidency. I agree with you on all of that, but I guess this is a question for both of you. Again, so if, if the reality that I think is going to ha happen happens, that is Trump wins the nomination, loses, I think, horrifically bad 
given all the things that are piling on him. And, you know, maybe that's a lesson for Republicans. Maybe it's not. But after that, let's say that's what happens and he loses the 2024 presidential election for either of you. Uh, we'll start with you, Deb. What does politics look like in the aftermath of, of someone who can't concede a race anymore? Does that forever change our presidential politics? Well, I'm okay with him losing, first of all. Uh, but it really it depends how you lose. And I think we need to get back to you know, what we try to teach our kids. It, we, we have rules. We play by the rules. We fight fair. And then we win or lose, we concede graciously. I mean, that was the founding of the republic. George Washington voluntarily stepped down and set a precedent and Trump has broken that precedent, and it is unbelievably concerning to anyone who cares about our democracy. Bill, what do you think? Uh, listen, if Biden wins or Trump wins, I don't think politics changes. I think the country gets more divided. Uh, politics gets more toxic. I have said on this show multiple times I, I, I'd like two different candidates, uh, younger, fresher ideas that uh, aren't as uh, polarizing. Um, but but at this point in time, we're headed towards a rematch of 2020, and I, I don't think that's good for America. I think both should leave the stage. That's my personal opinion. I'm happy to defend it at any point in time. I agree with Deb that, listen, sportsmanship is important, whether it's politics or actual sports or life. I mean, when you lose, you got to be gracious. I said last week on your show, uh, Sandy and Steve, I thought Trump could have handled 2020 better by being – by, by once the, the certification was done on December 14th, there was a chance for him to have a different strategy and be the gracious loser and probably be even in a stronger position today. He chose he chose to go the, the bitter route and and it didn't reflect well on Hillary Clinton uh, in 2016. And it's certainly not reflecting well, in my opinion, on Donald Trump in 20. You know, here we are in 2023. But, Bill, we have our own local example here. When Dan Kelly lost, he gave that terrible not-concession speech and talked about he stormed off and was probably the sorest loser of all. When are we going to have Republicans start standing up to that kind of bad behavior and get back to modeling what we want our kids to do? Well, I think there's a pot. You could play a clip for me. I, I called him out on that. Uh, I thought it Bill was did. tragic well, that he did. I did. I thought it was tragic. It was beneath him. It was beneath all of his supporters. I thought he owed an apology to his supporters that night who donated to him or worked for him. Um, it's not It's not the way. And he got crushed. That wasn't a close race. So uh, I did call him out, and I know there's tape that can confirm that. Absolutely. I was there, and I heard it. So uh, our guest, Bill McCaution, from the State Assembly, Representative Deb Andraka, will continue the political power hour after this on WTMJ. It is the Political Power Hour. We are live from the Wisconsin State Fair Bank 5-9 studio, to be specific. Uh, we'll be out here again tomorrow, 2 to 5. Sandy, Steve, Brian Noonan from WTMJ Nights having some fun. We're going to bring back some of our great interviews throughout our run at the fair, including Peter Noon. And uh, I think Colton Greeby will make an appearance. Um, maybe even that uh, young lady from the... Uh, Pooper scooper, whatever you call it. <laughs> the scooper troopers. Scooper troopers. I like pooper scooper, but whatever. Um, those are all going to be part of our fun. We're going to do some live stuff as well. So looking forward to tomorrow. Our guest filling in for Joseph Pecky on this Friday is from the Assembly, State Representative Devin Draca. And Bill McCaution in his regular chair, but not in the chair today because he's on the road in, I believe, Minnesota. Is that right, Bill? I'm in Minnesota for a family wedding. One of my nieces is getting married, and uh, oh. so my two sons are out playing golf with two of their cousins. My daughter is uh, at a workout class with one of one of her cousins, and my 
wife and one of my sisters is out for a walk. So the Makashans are active today. I love that. And uh, say hi to all my friends in Minnesota. I say that <laughs> facetiously. Um, all right. So um, let's talk about let's talk about the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Uh, there's been a lot of stories swirling since the swearing in. Uh, I think it was last Tuesday or Tuesday before that of, of the new justice Janet Protasiewicz. Um, I'll start with you, Deb. State Representative Andraka. Can I call you Deb? Yes, you may. It's easier. Um, it's a it's a big moment. Yeah, Obviously, we're going from a conservative-leaning court. Um, say what you want about Justice Brian Hagedorn. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him because I think he actually approached the job with an open mind. I think he did, too. Understanding, interpreting. I know former Justice Daniel Kelly didn't like the word interpret, but I think that's exactly what happens. You look at the words, you make your interpretation. Otherwise, we wouldn't have courts because there would be no reason to. But with that, that new lean to the left, what do you see as as the next big story? Is it abortion? Is it redistricting? What do you think is going to come for it? Well, we already know that the uh, redistricting case was filed the day after mm -hmm. Justice Protosavitz was sworn in. So uh, that hopefully will be first up. Uh, it's the most important thing. It's what I hear from my constituents. We have been laboring under maps that are widely known to be among the most gerrymandered in the entire country. And uh, hopefully that will be first up so that we can finally get back to representation that reflects the view of a majority of Wisconsinites. Let me ask you about that, because we know, those of us who follow politics, state by state, there's vast differences. You go to Illinois, you don't have to go any farther than Illinois and see it's gerrymandered in the other direction. So given that reality... It shouldn't surprise anybody that in a state that I think is a typically um, Midwestern conservative state, and I could be wrong on that, people might disagree with that, that we'd have a legislature that leans that way. I had Governor Evers in here, we had Governor Evers in here on Wednesday, and he said, that, yeah, it's a 50-50 state. And I, I also, I can see that as well. But when we talk about these issues, it's not surprising that if Republicans would have control, they would set it up so that they could have more power. Mm -hmm. Just like when Democrats had control, I think they did the same thing. So are we looking at this as a chance to get to a point where that's no longer going to be the case? Or are we just looking at this from a perspective from Democrats that we have the power, we have the courts, now we're going to do something? To, to favor us. How do you see it? Well, I believe that we need to follow in the footsteps of states such as Iowa and Michigan and California, and they've set up independent redistricting, and they put it into their constitution. That way, when, it doesn't matter which party is in control, you have people who can take a look at the maps and draw districts that reflect communities and that reflect the interests of the state. Um, we can't trust either party, quite frankly. We see Democratic gerrymanders. We see Republican gerrymanders. So it's time to take the control uh, away from politicians who want to, quite frankly, draw their own districts and keep themselves in power. So that's what I see as uh, what Wisconsin should be heading towards before the next redistricting. In the short term, we need to fix the maps that we have right now. And that's what the current lawsuit is asking to do. Bill, the courts in general, what's happened in the, in the few weeks since or a couple of weeks since uh, the new justice has been sworn in or on the area, on the subject of redistricting? So the, the only two maps in the last 40 years that have been approved by the legislature and signed by the governor are in the following years. 1983, the year I graduated from high school, a new Democratic majority and a new Democratic governor, Tony Earl, not Evers, uh, redistricted after courts had already decided maps. They did it from a partisan perspective. The other time it happened was in 2011, when new Republican majorities and a new Republican governor, Scott Walker, were in charge. So the only time in 40 years that we've had 
uh, state passed and, and gubernatorial signed maps has been in, in when one side controlled everything. Okay. Every other situation since 1980, the courts have decided the maps and they've decided what was fair or unfair and including the maps that currently exist today. As it relates to the Supreme Court, I'm going to give Janet Protasiewicz, Justice Protasiewicz, the benefit of the doubt. But she's in an awkward position here because she became the first candidate for Supreme Court who made very bold statements about very specific policy that could cause uh, an attorney to to ask for her recusal on certain issues, abortion being one, redistricting being the other. At a WISP politics debate in January before the primary, she clearly said the current maps are rigged. That's a pretty hard position to take. I don't know that she can sit for a redistricting case, to be honest with, and view it impartially. You Should about she Brian recruit, Hagedorn, recuse actually, herself? I, uh, there will be uh, motions for her to recuse herself. There's no question about that. But then it comes down to, I, I, I think there's no question that there, this Supreme Court majority is going to do something with the state maps. What they do, do they tweak Governor Evers' maps which would have been an option for the previous majority. Uh, do they draw their own maps? Um, you know, where do they, where do they go from here? And the, probably the more critical question from a, um, partisan standpoint is can they force lawmakers, senators in particular, 17 of them who were just elected for four year terms in 2022 to run again in 2026? And that's a, that's a legal point all by itself. Uh, and Democrats certainly want that. Their best chance to shrink or over or overturn majorities is to have everybody run at the same time. I'm not sure they're going to get away with it from a legal standpoint. And Representative, uh, do you think the justice, newest justice, Janet Proceus, will recuse herself on redistricting? And the, and the follow-up is. What would these new maps look like? Well, I can't speak for any of the justices. They have to look at the case on its merits. And if you look at the case and what they're asking for and how it violates the Constitution, um, they're going to make up their own mind. If you look at what it says in the Constitution, for just to give one example, it says that districts must be contiguous. And something that I didn't even realize until I actually read the case, a majority of our districts have islands, little spots that are in the middle of other districts and don't touch any of it. They the Constitution says the districts must be compact. Have you seen the 14th, what they did to Robin Vining's district? It looks like a snake running north and south. I mean, these districts are absolutely insane. My own district is called out in the lawsuit because it, they're talking about how we, they, the legislature said they wanted a least changes approach. My own district was overpopulation by about a thousand people. That's an easy little slice to make on the edge. Well, they cut half of it off and gave it to the 24th. So they keep making these rules violating these rules and, quite frankly, violating the Constitution. The question's going to be, are the maps constitutional? And I think that we all eagerly await that decision. Who should voters trust more on this issue, redistricting? More than... Legislature? No. Courts. Um, well, I think, they should dis- I think they should trust people, and I think they should trust an independent commission myself. 
But at this point, we all know you can't trust the legislature. Is that the Iowa? Is that the Iowa example? Is that like independent commission, sort of what they do? Iowa, most recently Michigan. So yeah. Michigan, uh, very recently, passed a referenda uh, because they couldn't get the uh, the legislature in uh, in Michigan to decide to do it that way. So they passed a referendum. We don't have that ability here in Wisconsin. Um, and now they drew their own maps, and uh, they're making great strides. So they had a commission, they had a budget, and they had people who were not, who didn't have a vested interest in drawing a map that keeps them in power. The, the power is too tempting for either party. She is State Representative Deb Andraka. Uh, Bill, go ahead, real quick. Yeah, let, let me just say, it, it, it's, a t it's easier said than done. The governor appointed what he called the People's Maps Commission. They drew maps that Deb's own Democratic colleagues from the city voted against. Right. So and ultimately, the People's Maps Commission never submitted maps to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Tony Evers drew his own maps, which were approved by the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Initially, they were uh, one was approved. The congressional map was approved by the United States Supreme Court. But the United States Supreme Court rejected Governor Evers uh, legislative maps. And that's how the Wisconsin Supreme Court got to make a choice. They could have drawn their own maps. They could have picked the Republican maps or they could have tweaked Governor Evers and they decided to pick the Republican maps. That's how we no, I just to need where to, we are today. Real quick, because we've got to get to break. Just need to correct you on one point. They didn't reject the maps. They sent the maps back to the to the state courts. So um, that's a question that the state courts, the, our Supreme Court, will have to decide. She is Deb Andraka, state representative uh, from Wisconsin, and Bill McCoshin on his uh, f family trip to Minnesota, who typically joins us every Friday. Political power hour is what we're doing. After the break, the Brewers question. Where are we going to find that, what is it now, $448 million? Are we going to find it? Who's going to get done? Or as some people have said recently in some stories that I've read, some blog commentators, could we lose the Brewers when their next le this lease runs out? We'll continue the conversation after this from the Bank 5-9 studio at the Wisconsin State Fair. Broadcasting live from the Bank 5-9 studio, Steve Sandy, our guest in studio from the Wisconsin State Assembly, Representative Devin Draca, Bill McCosh, joining on the phone. Real quick, I want to get to a quick, another break here, but uh, Representative will ask you about the Brewers, all this conversation. Um, some people, and not anyone attached to the Brewers, or frankly any real legislatures that I trust on this, are saying the Brewers should just go away. What do you think is going to happen with the request for about 400 plus million dollars to renovate, do the things that MLB is requiring of American Family Field and the Brewers to keep this team here? Well, nobody wants the Brewers to go away. I mean, obviously, we enjoy having them here. They're a big part of the community. Um, and we want them to stay here. And what we need to do as a state, what we need to do as a community is sort of the big question. Um, I don't want to have to subsidize the team any more than we absolutely have to. And it's still a question. However, if they do leave, we have a big empty stadium. And that's really bad for an economy, particularly the Milwaukee area, that we just finally fixed a little bit of the shared revenue formula and we can see a path forward. If that were to happen, it would really, really be bad for our region. So I don't know what any kind of deal is going to look like. I don't have a strong opinion on it one way or another. I think it's time for, and this is hard in Wisconsin, everyone to come to the table in good faith and talk about what we can do to make sure we don't have a big empty state sitting there for years. Bill, how do we solve the Brewers question? How do we find that 400 and 
$48 million, whatever the number is, uh, to keep them beyond the current lease? There's uh, three legs to the stool. The state is one of the legs. The localities, the city, the county are one of the legs. And then the brewers are the third. All three of those parties are going to have to work together on this deal. Ultimately, this will have to be a bipartisan deal. If if uh, if there's any thought that the Republicans are just going to pass this and let locals, you know, representatives, Democrats who live in the Milwaukee area off the hook on this vote, no chance. The, the bill won't pass. I think it's in tough shape right now. It's got a long way to go. Uh, I didn't think the Brewers had a viable option to leave once uh, the Oakland A's decided to go to Vegas, but I'm told that uh, Nashville may be Nashville may be a realistic spot for the next uh, MLB relocation. So I hope this gets done. I think the Brewers are great for the state. I think they're obviously great for Southeast Wisconsin. I'm a big fan, and uh, I think it's it would be tragic if we lost a major league team. It's a bad image that we don't want to give uh, the nation and the world about the state of Wisconsin. So hopefully all three legs of that stool can work together and get something done. Bill McCosh and State Representative Devin Draca will continue the conversation with the grab bag on the Political Power Hour right here on WTMJ. All right, we always leave a few minutes at the end of the Political Power Hour to do a little grab bag. So, State Representative Devin Draca, you get to go first. Oh, well, I am just so thrilled to be out here at this fair, and I'm just so happy it's fair season. Last week, I spent at the Ozaki County Fair. My district is part in Milwaukee County and part in Ozaki County, and they're really great contrast. The Ozaki County Fair is much smaller. Uh, it's free to get in, and you can pop in and see your animals, get your cheese curds, and shout out to Blue Barn Cheese. These curds, I wait for them all year long. They're so good. And so now today I get to go get the the head-sized cream puff <laughs> as opposed to the little tiny ones that they have. Now how do you eat them? Do you eat like a hamburger or do you take it apart? Grip uh, and rip is how Colton Greeby described it. I try to slide them so that there's equal cream oh. on both sides mm-hmm. so that you have the same sort of cream to puff ratio. Yeah, the split and slide. That's what I do too. Mm-hmm. Wow, the science approach. I yeah. like that. All right. That's a good one, and enjoy the cream puff. I've I've only had one this this year. I've been a very good boy when it comes to desserts, but uh, that may change after today's show. Who knows? Bill McCashin, you're on the road. What's your grab bag item? Well, it's family related. First of all, good luck and uh, congratulations to my niece Maria McCashin, who's a physician's assistant, uh, who's getting married at four o'clock today to her fiance Paul. I wish you nothing but the best. And the second part of that is. Uh, a shout out to my wife, Carol. It's our 33rd wedding anniversary today. So, hey, uh, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. You know? Thank you very much. Love is in the air. Yep. It's very cool you get to celebrate yeah. that at a family wedding, too, because that, that's kind of a, a, a bonus. Well, yeah, have we fun at the a, wedding, Bill McCashin. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. What, what was the get together? Well, my, my brother, uh, his daughter, Maria, is getting married, so he had all the, the – all eight Makashin kids are here and 15 of the 19 oh, grandkids. Boy. So it's, it's a nice family get-together <laughs> oh. for a good reason. Yeah. All right. Well, enjoy the weekend. We'll talk again next Friday. Thanks to Bill McCashin. Thanks to State Representative Devin Draca for visiting us in person at the Wisconsin State Fair. Enjoy your Thank cream you. puff. Lots more to get to. Stephen Sandy live from the Bank 5-9 studio at the Wisconsin State Fair.